My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Today, as you probably know, is the Feast of Saint Bridget. She is a very famous uh, religious from Sweden who was born sometime in the 14th century and um, she developed a really intense uh, piety towards our Lord, love for our Lord, especially how he suffered his passion and it led her to go from Sweden on a pilgrimage, walking all the way to the Holy Land. And uh, it was uh, it was an intense and difficult pilgrimage, especially in those days. And there she ended up in, in Bethlehem. She went to Nazareth. And uh, when she was in Bethlehem, she had these mystical visions. Like she saw, she saw the child Jesus lying there on the ground with Mary and Joseph adoring the child. These were visions that she had and the whole place was illuminated because of the, the light came from the child. And she describes this in great detail in her diaries and then some guy, I forget his name now, he took note of all this and he wrote about this and other people meditated on her visions and uh, those visions became the source of many paintings later on of, of the nativity. All the nativity scenes that we see are thanks to St. Bridget. So thank you, St. Bridget, for contributing to such beautiful works of art by your visions. And she also had visions of the passion. She saw the wounds of our Lord on his hands, on his feet, on his side. And that made her meditate as well. They were very kind of visual attempts to deepen in the meaning of the passion. And uh, so we ask her to intercede for us today, this, this great mystic that loved our Lord Jesus Christ so much and his blessed mother. It's as though some something had really been sown in her soul, you know, that the fact that she should be so so intense in her love for God. It's as though God had placed a seed there the seed that that bore fruit both in her actions, her writings, and then the order that she founded, the Brigitines, that had as a purpose to meditate on the passion of our Lord. Well the fact that she was able to do that was partly because of her correspondence and her holiness, but really it was because God sowed something in her her soul. He went and sowed a seed there, which eventually bore that beautiful fruit. And today's gospel is precisely about this seed, the effect of the seed sown in a in a field. It's from Saint Matthew. It's a parable that our Lord gives today as he speaks to the crowds. He says, The kingdom of heaven 
may be likened to a man who sowed good seed in his field. While everyone was asleep, his enemy came and sowed weeds all through the wheat and then went off. When the crop grew and bore fruit, the weeds appeared as well. The slaves of the householder came to him and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where have the the weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. An enemy. So his slaves said to him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? He replied, No. If you pull up the weeds, you might uproot the wheat along with them. Let them grow together until harvest. Then, at harvest time, I I will say to the harvesters, First, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles for burning, but gather the wheat into my barn. It's a beautiful image there of the sowing of good seed to make wheat and the sowing of bad seed to create these poisonous weeds. Weeds and wheat seem to often kind of get entangled together. And of course, if you if you sow, if, rather if you harvest wheat, but that there's weeds in there, it's going to become obviously very. You can't eat that. It's not good for bread. It's not going to. It's going to be toxic. It'll be poisonous. And the fact that they considered that this is definitely the work of an enemy. Of course, we imagine, and it's quite normal that that the enemy has to be the devil. Of course, the devil here does not wear red stockings with big horns and a big you know tail at the end with a pitchfork at the end or something like that right uh, and uh, and the, and a goatee you know, <laughs> a goatee you know and uh, fangs or something you know that would be a little bit too obvious right and uh, he doesn't wear red leotards that's not his uh, that's not his style right in fact he comes at night he comes at night when people are just like passed out and uh, at night we're inattentive we're unconscious we're dreaming we're living in la la land as we say and uh, of course why because we need sleep we need to rest we can't just stay awake all the time we need to sleep we, we do need to go into la la land to dreamland so that the soul can rest, the brain can rest, the body can rest. We can't just stay awake all the time. But we know that God has some way, He has sown good seed in my soul. Healthy, robust, solid seed that is resistant to the storms, that will produce good wheat. And... uh, get many others to also enjoy that wheat. And uh, well, we should try to under, un- identify what that wheat really is, what that, good, that you know, good, good seed is that the Lord has sown in my soul. We know it was at least, well, it was sown in baptism. When we were baptism, something was sown in our seed, in our, in our soul, rather. If our soul is like a, it's like a field, well, certainly 
we all received baptism. This pure water that was poured over us with those sacred words pronounced to change us definitively into members of God's household. We are members of God's family. <coughs> and of course, the words that are pronounced when we're baptized is, in the, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thereby, kind of identifying ourselves with the Son. We are like sons and daughters in the Son. And so that seed that we have received in baptism, it has that's a huge potential. This power to change. It has this power to change from a little tiny seed into beautiful wheat and other, other seeds into big redwood trees. And of course, when we think of wheat, of course, it's connected with the Holy Eucharist. We just worship the Holy Eucharist here. We, well, the, the, the Blessed Sacrament here, reserved for us. Those are all the good seeds, the good things that God sows, sows in our soul. But the devil can also sow bad stuff. The enemy. What does he sow? What does he do? He sows anxiety. Fear, reluctance to trust God, hesitation, uh, a kind of a disinclination to come to God and to pray. He often sows like reactions of pride. All these things come up to the surface because the devil has sown those. God doesn't sow those things. Sometimes the devil sows in our soul, even from a young age, he sows sadness. Sadness. Kind of a gloomy, gloominess. You know, the, you know like those pictures of people with long, and droopy-looking eyes and a long face. This kind of lack of joy in doing work. You know, St. Rosemary used to speak about Peeling potatoes, you know, it's like it's long. You have to peel those potatoes. That's that must take a long time to peel the potatoes. Peel the potatoes. Peel the. It's just just thin skin, and you have to. You just have to peel them. You know, and it takes time. And you could probably cut yourself, I suppose. I don't know, but. Uh, so do you peel your potatoes? Kind of gloomily, sad, or with a cheerful disposition? thinking somebody is going to love these potatoes. <laughs> you know. Somebody's going to love them. You know. My mother used to say, well, we don't, we do not peel potatoes here because all the vitamins are in the peel. So we don't, you know, whatever. But, okay. I don't know if that's true or not. That's probably just an old wives' tale. But, uh, you know. In other words, the, the devil can he can sow bad stuff in our soul. We have to try to be aware because, like, it's not just that he sows, but he goads us on. You know, he's he's the he's the one that is responsible for those thoughts in our head when we think, "Oh, I'm not as bright as her. I'm not as she's so clever. I wish I was. Uh, I'm not like that. She can speak so well, or." She has better shoes, but I, I have better looking, whatever, eyelashes, I don't know. <laughs> you know. 
and uh, you know, we enter into the framework of comparisons. That's not good. That's somewhere along the line. That's the evil one sowing that into our soul. Bad thoughts. Certainly the devil is going to encourage that. Those things, bad thoughts, comparisons, gloominess, uh, lack of drive, lack of joy. Those are a kind of a poison that can enter into our life. It produces a kind of a human focus on things. It's kind of like a pernicious attitude or maybe pernicious human calculations. We see everything from the point of view of human qualities. We, don't, we lose a sense of the supernatural in our life. The, the real supernatural power of a potato peel. You know, we, we just, it's just a potato peel. You know. And that is a pernicious human calculation. We know that that pernicious, the word pernicious, etymologically, it comes from Latin, means it comes from per nocto, which means uh, having the power to kill or to destroy. You know, like when you say something is nauseous, I guess you could say nauseous, but it, you know, you, you, you feel like you're going to pass out, right? So it's, that's the ne- neko comes from that as well. So we, we really have to ask our blessed Lord here as we picture the field and then the field is our soul that, that the devil can indeed sow bad things like rectitude of intention like lack of rectitude right, of intention or just, just a lot of worry about how we look towards others the impression we make or worries about what they think about us what will they think about me will they like me will they think I'm smart will they we go on and on in circles and or or we could just go through work and just go through the motions and never allowing anything to really touch us deeply so we ask our lord we ask saint bridget too she she's a good intercessor for that to to help us identify the weeds in our life where the evil one is trying to sow those weeds whether it's at work whether it's uh, maybe you know seeking too much comfort or too much ease uh, or maybe we don't really have an openness to God's grace or to his providence so we have to put all that stuff in the fire so it all be burned like the like the reapers they were going to put all those weeds and they're going to burn them up those weeds need to be burned sadness needs to be burned away human outlook needs to be burned away but it does kind of come back so you got to burn it again later it's okay, it's okay, you just burn it again. You burn it in confession, you burn it in an act of uh, contrition. And, you know, some of these things that we keep, bad thoughts or comparisons and negative thoughts or sadnesses, if, if we keep them too long, they start like, um, like producing mold, you know, mold. Some, some places you go, it's a house, and they tell you, don't go in the basement, there's mold there's mold and some people get very ill with mold you know something that's moldy it's, it's very toxic and maybe our piety is a bit moldy we come here to pray this beautiful chapel here with the painting there of the holy family and the blessed lord and the cross and 
Nice, nice altar there with the text there. The Lord is here. He calls you. He's not. He's there. That's what it says. Dominus Addis and Bocate. That's that's uh, that's from the Gospel of Saint John. The Lord is here. He's calling you. And um, and uh, and yet we come and we could maybe just sit down and fall asleep. You know, we just fall asleep. We pass out. You know, that that would be like the the moldiness, you know, of our piety. And uh, we have to identify, perhaps, in spiritual direction, what kind of moldiness do I have? What kind of um, weeds do I have? Poisonous thoughts that need to be burned away that are not good for my soul. They're good for the devil. They're good for my ego, but not good for my soul. <coughs> the book of Exodus, Moses is in the book of Exodus, right? Chapter 33. And when he saw, we were told about this pillar of fire, and there was a cloud over that, and it was stationed over the entry of the tent of meetings. And all the people would go to that tent, they would be stationed around it, and they would bow low. And like each had their own tent, and there was like the main tent, and everybody would stand at their tent, and they would bow when the pillar of fire there rose. And it tells about, it's a, it's a beautiful passage, it tells about Moses going into the main tent there, and it says that he, Moses would speak with the Lord face to face as man speaks with his friend. Such a unique inspiration that the divine writer had when he said that. Moses would go to the tent and he would speak to God as with a friend, but face to face. It's a beautiful image. That, and, and he would have his back to, turned to the camp and, uh, you know, and it, it really gave this profound image of friendship with the Lord. Well, we too, Lord, we want to speak to you, Jesus, as a friend, face to face. The, the image of friendship here, why friend? Not just friend, but, but we have now more, you know, because we, as members of the people of God, and with our baptism, we are linked by blood. It's amazing to think that that when Moses approached the people, he would actually sprinkle them with with a bull's blood. He would take blood. I mean, I could sprinkle you with holy water. Okay, you would all just go and then fuss on the spirit, you know, whatever. But imagine if I sprinkled you with blood, it would be like a scene from a horror movie, you know. But uh, it would be, ugh, you know. But but the Jews would always sacrifice those animals, like bulls, but those animals that other people worshipped, like the Egyptians. And the Egyptians, they worshipped those, those animals. Right? And uh, they worshipped lambs, they worshipped rams. You could see that all in their, whatever, in their artwork. You could see these, and they had very complex rituals around these animals. And um, it's as though the Jews were saying, what you guys worship, we destroy because it has no take on us. Like, we don't care, you know. We're just going to destroy these things. And yet the Egyptians, they had a god, god, the god Kum, 
and uh, he was he had I don't know he was a weird looking god but he had a like body like a normal human body but with the head of a ram you know because he was a god you know and so the Jews said okay well then let's sacrifice that you know, to show that we uh, will never worship those foreign deities and uh, for the Jews, it, God was really like a father to them. Right? He was a loving father. It's still, in the Old Testament, the image of God the Father is still kind of, just comes in bits and pieces. It's still kind of, how can I say, a little bit uh, thin, but it's gradually a revelation that comes to be shown, right? Like, like uh, in uh, Jeremiah, I am the father to Israel. Ephraim is my firstborn son. And those idea of first words, so that, that all starts to, to appear. Right? But in the New Testament, that we are friends of Jesus, but that we are sons and daughters you know, in the Son, that we, are, that we live our divine filiation, that what is essential to us, what is part of our DNA, is our divine filiation. Now that, that becomes, well, it becomes synonymous with God, right? that we are sons and daughters of God. And that shows a progressive uh, consciousness of divine filiation, right? Uh, even like in the Old Testament, slight suggestions, but then in the primitive community, more and more, the, the primitive, that is, Christian community, they start to realize that that's the essential thing. Right? Of course, our Lord always speaks to God, His Father. You know, he was, he's the fundamental model for us. And I would say that, that if we develop a deeper sense of our divine filiation, a deeper sense that God is our, my father, I'm his son, I'm his daughter, all those poisons can't really have an effect on us. The poisons of sadness, the poisons of, of uh, being kind of lazy and comfort-seeking, those are, those are the sort of poisons that the devil wants to sow in us. But they won't have any power over us if we have a deep sense of who we really are, that is, that we are sons and daughters of God, divine filiation. And St. Maria always insisted so much on that. Because we are in a time today where God, the image of God is kind of blurred, you know, the, He's like a cosmic force and a, a source of spiritual energy and He's kind of distant and um, a kind of an indifferent being, right? And um, some people think, well, if I pray, maybe he'll help me out. He'll help me do well in my business or I'll win the lottery or something like that. Right? And, uh, and it could be that those kind of images of this blurry cosmic force, that vision of God can seep into our way of living our faith. It just, you know what I mean? We get a bit uh, influenced by that. And we could lose a sense of integrity that we are indeed sons and daughters of God. We have, to, we have to watch for that poison. God is not a cosmic force, simply. He's not this amorphous mass of power, simply. And um, we are in this culture, a very secularized culture, where it kind of becomes more and more difficult to recognize the face of a personal God. And, um, and so we have to ask our Blessed Lady to intercede for us so that we always stay focused and keep alive a deep sense that we are sons and daughters of God. That that is the seed 
that the Lord planted in our soul when we were baptized. Now, if you were like told by a doctor you have six months to live, or let's say four months, okay, four months to live, and somebody told you, okay, well, you have four months, so you'll be dead in a few months, so um, what would you like on your tombstone? What would you like? You'll be buried in such and such a cemetery. Uh, what would you like there? What is one phrase that you would put there? Well, I let you think about that. Now, that's something, you know, you're not just going to put high, you know. Uh, you can put something that has some, you know, weight. And we, some years ago, had, you know, lost some, some of our brothers uh, in the work. And, uh, of course, among many of the passages we could have chosen, we decided, well, I didn't decide it as such, but uh, it was decided to use a, a passage uh, from the psalm, Vultum tum domine requiram. Lord, I wish to see your face. So imagine that. Vultum tum, that's your face, O Lord, I wish to see. Vultum tum domine requiram. It's a beautiful phrase that St. Rosemary used to repeat a lot before he died. Show me your loving face, just as Moses saw your loving face, and not just some abstract cosmic power but your face, and you're my brother, Lord Jesus, that's who I want to see, that's who I want to see for all eternity. Have I really cultivated this as the ground of my life? Do I act with abandonment, uh, even in front of my own weaknesses? Um, and I, am I really able to rest in my divine filiation? And do I take care not to divinize those things that are not, they're not God, they're not, you know, they're not essential. Whether it's my comfort, my recognition, my honor, my rest, uh, my successes, my health, those are all things that we might end up uh, worshipping as though they were our final destiny. And they're not. Our final destiny is to be with God our Lord, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And we will see in that way this mysterious phrase, I wish to see your face, O Lord. I need to see God face to face. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.